0: My father passed. I wanted nothing more than my mother's happiness.
1: Speaking of not doing the clubs no more. The power of the dog.
0: That is the most not doing the clubs no more movie I could imagine.
1: Yes, very much so, yes.
0: Boy, I... Boy.
1: Are those good boys or bad boys?
0: The narrative refuses to comment on the morality of the boys. And thusly, I feel I cannot either.
1: Hilarious.
0: So, like... I really liked this movie, but I very much understand why a lot of people did not like it.
1: Did a lot of people not like it?
0: I saw a really great statement from Tiber and his Oscar ballot that was like, a lot of people don't like it or just don't think it's as good as people are saying it is. But he's like, I feel like a lot more people are like in awe of it than like it. And that is like very valid.
1: I can see that. I can see that.
0: The one thing like that I want to get right off the bat, the characterization and the acting and those performances I think are spectacular.
1: Very I don't think so. there
0: is one character that feels underdone. Even characters we only see for a scene or two are so they fit into what the movie is doing. They don't steal any scenes, but they they fit in perfectly. Yeah. And I think that's that's that can be hard in a movie like this. I don't know if it is just that everybody kind of had an understanding of of how this was gonna like I don't know, but it works really well. Even though it's really only about like four to five characters, depending on how you want to count, it really feels like an ensemble movie. It feels like if everybody who had like a speaking line was built on the same plane, it wouldn't be that surprising to me. Yeah even though some people are obviously doing more work than others in the actual like amount of script they're in. I think that the Bronco Henry memes may have, and like the ubiquity of them, may have <laughs> hurt my watch on this a little bit. Really? Yeah, because every time they mentioned him for a while, I was just like- Geez. <clears throat> because they were everywhere. And I didn't realize they were from this. And then I started watching it and I was like, (sighs) (laughs) I tried really hard to remove my feelings from that. But I also felt like I was like, I definitely like glazed over some of the depth that happens in those bits where they're kind of reminiscing or talking about him because of these memes.
1: (laughs) Hilarious. I think when I first saw the memes come out, I think I do this thing where, I purposely try to avoid stuff like not to spoil anything like even if it's like a a, a joke or like a prodding or whatever mm. I really try to zoom past it on the TL and so I like quasi I remember the jokes but I, I zoomed by them I was thinking so it's like what's his face is he actually Bronco Henry oh he's not oh, okay well I guess I, maybe I could have paid a little more attention to the jokes.
0: (laughs) Well, so I, I feel like if they had said, oh yeah. And by the way, like I'm, I'm trying to think who it would be, but like some very well-respected Western actor is Bronco Henry. Okay. But Bronco Henry's not in the script. Doesn't matter. That's who it is. Like I would totally be like, yeah, no, correct. Because (laughs) his presence is so much a character. There was a really good joke in a podcast. I listened to about this where they were like, Every time they talk about him, they just had the actor that was casted to play him, even though he's not in the script, sitting just like to the left of the camera, glowering. Hilarious. And like, it kind of feels that way sometimes. Like, his his absence takes up as much space as his presence might. And that is really cool and very well done.
1: How old were you when you met Bronco Henry?
0: of the age you are now.
1: Was he your best friend? Yeah.
0: He was. But more than that, once he saved my life,
1: Way off up in the hills, shooting elk and the weather turned mean. Bronco kept me alive by
0: lying body against body in a bedroll.
1: Fell off to sleep that way. Naked?
0: Even though, but yeah, I I would say that I lean more towards in awe of than in enjoyment of.
1: I kind of agree. I feel like I enjoyed the sake of the performance. So I'm watching, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch, and I'm watching uh, Kristen. Not Kristen Stewart. God damn,
0: Kristen Dunst. Kristen, Kristen Dunst.
1: Dunst. Yes, and. These actors who are fairly like generational talent, and mm-hmm. Jane Campion, who has like this pretty remarkable eye, and it's like you're watching kind of Golden State Warriors just do their thing, just dominate, score, win the chip, whatever. Yeah. But it's kind of like, are you really attached to the story very much? And for me, in, in the last, no.
0: In the first third and the last third, I would say I was in on the story pretty hard. When Jesse Plemons is just like, we've been married, I was like, (laughs) oh, and then the middle happened and I was like, we get it. We don't like her. And then at at the end, when Cumberbatch comes in first, well, first of all, I think just the hikes in general, like made my ears perk up a little bit because I was like, (laughs) I hate the Netflix description for this movie, by the way, let me pull it up so I can get it exact. Because I think it's nice. very misleading.
1: Okay. All right.
0: Charismatic rancher Phil Burbank inspires fear and awe in those around him. When his brother brings home a new wife and her son, Phil torments them until he finds himself exposed to the possibility of love.
1: Ooh. Uh, uh, oh, <laughs> so... <laughs> charismatic um no um... he has
0: the potential to be but he's clearly rejected it like at the risk of being that person you don't go to yale in like 1899 without being like a charismatic sum bitch like that's what you do <laughs> it's just how it is and for me the idea that he finds himself exposed to the possibility of love is like call me old-fashioned here but kind of not what I was picking up from their relationship at all really so I was picking up like a really deep oh thank god someone else is like me which is definitely a type of love and I think there was definitely some love but I don't think that Peter the son is capable of that Um, yeah it it wasn't
1: two-way street yeah
0: is it love if it is a manipulation to get someone to leave someone you actually care about alone? Is it love if it's a diversion?
1: So from Peter's perspective, no, but from Phil, I think he was actually, I don't know if it was romantic love or whatever. I don't,
0: I don't think it was romantic love. I think it was a type of love. But the thing for me is that I feel pretty strongly that it was a lot more about Someone else is like me. Somebody else gets it. I don't have to be alone anymore, you know, because I think the reason that he is so resentful of his brother and Kirsten Dunst is that, like, it was just them, the brothers against the world, right? And they didn't have to worry about, like, cooties and girls or anyone, like, breaking up their little partnership. So he didn't have to be Phil who's single. He could just be Phil. Yeah. And as soon as that is shaken up, he's constantly being reminded of the life he can never have because of who yeah. he is. Yeah. And you know what they say? It's misery loves company. So even if it's not a love, it's okay. You know what? There's this kid and he's all right. And he is like me and he gets it. And at least that we have each other in all this straight nonsense.
1: Ma- <laughs> straight. And nonsense, I think was that a pun?
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, and I think that by the time he is really sick And and he is trying to find him to give him the lasso. His brain is so muddled up that you could totally argue it is romantic love. And I think in some way it is. But I also think in some way it's like I got to protect him because like I took what was wrong with me and made myself hard and he can't do that. So like he's got to know somebody cares and gets it and believes in him. And I think I think it's a weird mix of those things, which is why I don't just read direct romantic love does that make sense
1: it does but let me actually argue the other side of that let me actually argue for the netflix description when Kristen dunst and jesse Plemons kind of fall in love and i think my favorite scene in the entire movie basically comes like kind of in that first second act of where george and rose are on the mountain and they're dancing and like jesse sheds a tear and says i just I want to see how nice it is not to be alone. Mm -hmm. And so that was a really beautifully acted, you know, scene from them. A beautifully shot scene. And so for Matt, you know, they have this, you know, connection together. And then you're right. So now Phil is out of the picture of that. And now he's basically the the cowboy terrorist. And so what changes for him is when Peter is kind of walking through, you know, the group of other cowboys and they're calling him Nancy and whatever. And I think in that moment is when he actually sees what he was at his age when he met Bronco Henry. Mm -hmm. And I think because he was in love with Bronco Henry and he saw himself in Peter, I think that's when the kind of lightning bolt moment of, I see like this smart kind of naive person who's just on this ranch, you know, getting along or whatever. I see myself in this in this boy now. And so he takes him under the wing and, you know, he's trying to show him like how to be, you know, quote unquote strong, whatever. And he's totally underestimating him. Yeah. It's not, I mean,
0: I think that, that Peter is reflecting what he thinks will make Phil like him.
1: Yeah. And he's falling for it. He's totally falling for it. And I think the moment when the original cow hides was sold and then Peter says, I have the cow hide because I wanted to be like you. I think that was a moment of I'm in love with you or I love you or the agreements of there is love that I have for this boy. And so I think that's when he crosses for it. And then that's when he kind of falls for the jig. And, you know, the funny. thing. So I rewatched Power of a Dog. I watched it over like New Year's. And I watched it today. And at the end, when he's walking, when I first watched it, I did think that same thing that you said of he wants to give Peter the rope back. But I never noticed he drops the rope and shit. So I don't know. I think he actually realized that he was murdered by this kid. I don't know. It's kind of quasi. I don't know. But I know I, I didn't notice. But yeah, he, he drops the rope and shit. So mm. you know, maybe maybe he knew, maybe he didn't. I think the the storytelling in that, even if it's, you know, ambiguous, I still think it was pretty good. Yeah. But going back to your original point of there's obviously great storytelling, there's great acting, there's great cinematography, there's great directing, but feeling an emotional connectivity to it. I think Phil is such a terrorist. <laughs> He's so Black that it's really hard to get attached to the characters in this story. Because I, it's not I agree. Even like I said, I love the f- the scene with George and Rose, but I don't necessarily like George because he should have like stood up for his wife. Well he everyone totally ran over.
0: I saw a lot of things online that were like people didn't know because he kept he wasn't around. But like, yeah, he wasn't around. That's the problem.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Like that is the thing that made me like him the least, I would say
1: exactly yes
0: you know and i kind of get that like that's his thing right like he does fancy boy things because he's a fancy boy or is trying to be a fancy boy he's not a successful <laughs> fancy boy you know and i i do get that like to an extent but at the same time like the son took matters into his own hands
1: yes he totally did yes
0: to me there's a stronger narrative about like what I would describe as basically gay companionship that very slowly morphs into love because of a manipulation. But I think that there is a version of this story where they are in love. There's a version of this story where they're just companions and they, you know, they they know about the other one, but they don't, they don't. <laughs> in some cases it turns into like, oh, my cousin's gay. Do you know him? Like, I don't.
1: <laughs> Hilarious. I mean, because they never consummate it.
0: I actually think you might be right that he realizes it. I think this is a better example of, of the concept of the prestige than the movie The Prestige. Like, I think <laughs> that this kid, like from the jump, you, you all you see him do is try to figure out how things work. Yes. The reason he makes the paper flowers is because he's tired of the flowers dying on his dad's grave he doesn't want to have the conversation with his mom about the bottle. So he hides the bottle again. Yeah. But at the same time, like he lets his mom get attached to the rabbit and then he kills it and dissects it. It just puts a really unsettling like picture together. There's part of me that really starts to wonder by the end, is he even really gay or is he just not, is he just so trying to capitalize on this advantage he's found? By the fact that he's naturally kind of sickly and and not like these people.
1: Yeah, because in the scene where it's Phil and Peter in the field right after like the hand cut and, you know, he's talking about his dad that, you know, took his life. And they were saying, you're too strong. And Phil was like, no, you're not. And I was like, yes, he the fuck is. He is way too calculating and they even observed in him that he didn't really feel emotion mm-hmm. and you know to kind of get away with this kind of you know look at the end I mean it, it sounds really terrible I mean he he had a genuine reason like he was trying to save his mom's life yeah. but at the end of the day like he still took a life to do that so it's pretty hard oh, body for sure
0: and the thing for me that I just keep thinking about is like he knew he found an advantage and he pressed that advantage. Yeah. Like we don't know that he was gay. We know that he like documented things and made journals and was not like other boys, but we have no reason to believe that that sex or romance ever played into it. We just know that he found those magazines in the woods.
1: Yeah. He didn't pop a donor or anything. He just found them. Yes.
0: Right. And that's when he starts trying to figure out what he can do
1: do yeah
0: just worth considering i guess
1: no i mean and that goes back to the storytelling being like extraordinarily smart Mm -hmm. like you know we don't have a definitive answer for that and you know i think a a lesser director probably gives us like you know the smoking gun
0: yeah but
1: i guess he's supposed to read you know everyone's calling nancy and like yeah for or whatever You know, he's supposed to read as feminine, but he's literally just a smart kid that wears unwashed raw denim.
0: (laughs) But it's also like he didn't grow up on a rant like he doesn't know anything. Yeah. Like it's kind of implied that he does very well at school and he's like he wants to be a doctor. His other friends want to be like professors. So it's pretty clear that he's smart and hangs out with a smart group. So I think there's something to be said there that it it might just be a fake. And I guess that's like the thing that I like the most about the movie is this, like all of the questions that it leaves you with. I think it does a really good job with that.
1: He's like Catherine Trammell, but gets no cheeks.
0: Yeah, but I think I think the lack of cheeks is a a cheek choice.
1: (laughs) Yes, very much a choice. Yes,
0: he could have gone for the cheeks, He could have gotten a little cheek pre-murder. Had he been so inclined. Um, (laughs) Yes. Nothing is, I would say, more cowboy movie than a hyped up hate fuck. (laughs) Hilarious.
1: So thinking of this movie, has there ever been a movie that you have watched or experienced to where you see everything for what it is as far as being like talented? And so you see like the good acting, good directing, good everything. But just for whatever reason, it doesn't really connect with you on an emotional level. Can you think of a movie that you kind of experience that with?
0: Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's got to be a couple. On a kind of weird, not great level of that, I would say the, the Schumacher Batman movies.
1: <laughs> um, Hilarious.
0: Being very honest, Batman and Robin is not a good movie, but it's a very clear cut vision. And yeah. the costumes are beautiful. The sets are beautiful. The performances are uniformly hitting the mark. Whether or not the mark is correct is a separate point, but they are they are doing the job they were given. Yeah. And I think that it it does land like it is singularly an auteur film, which is kind of surprising for a Batman movie, while also being possibly the most studio interfered
1: movie ever. <laughs> I'll give you one. Citizen Kane. Yep. I I watched it. I appreciate it for what it was, but you know. Seem better
0: i also feel like by the time uh, we as a society got to citizen kane like us young people it's such a trope set yeah that it's hard to see it freshly like society is defined by the fact that citizen kane exists
1: <laughs> yes yes
0: so like it's kind of hard to not see it a thousand times yeah I've heard several people say kind of similar effects about that to The Shining, which I like The Shining, but if you've ever read the book, which I don't know if you have, you realize how much of the emotional connective tissue they kind of removed. Okay. Like the book is a lot more about like Jack's alcoholism and his struggle with himself and his struggle within himself to be a better man and a better father, but also like literally being possessed by a haunted hotel. Okay. And how it it to his family appears that he isn't trying enough, you know, and that specific kind of back and forth, which the miniseries does pretty well, despite the fact it's actually pretty boring. But it like covers that part. OK, and I get why that some people struggle with that. I'm going to actually throw this out for She Dies Tomorrow.
1: Oh, that movie sucked.
0: That movie well, sucked. yeah, but it was aesthetically really interesting every actor in it was giving a performance that felt of a piece with the performance that they wanted. Yeah. I thought it was bad. I didn't like it, but some people loved it.
1: It's like really critically acclaimed and I don't see it yeah, I mean, not see the vision
0: and I didn't either, but I saw the vision. does that <laughs>
1: mean,
0: I, I saw the vision behind it even though I didn't see the vision for myself. Yeah. A lot of folks whose, whose work I respect a lot as critics really vibed here. And good for them, by the way. They should, they should be able to, to vibe there, even if vibe. I don't agree with them.
1: <laughs> vibe, however you want to vibe. We will not kill the vibe.
0: I could tell there was a lot of thought put in there, even if it was not thought I cared for. I would also I'm trying to think. Probably the Invisible Man remake.
1: Oh. Uh, mm, well, yeah, so for some reason uh, I guess a lot of horror fans really like that, but yeah, we didn't really vibe with that one.
0: No, but I I get the I get the vibe. I get exactly what they were trying to do. I think all the performances were really solid. I think that everybody really tried to make the best movie possible. And I just I, I couldn't care. I tried <laughs> so hard. I tried so, so hard. hard. But like a lot of my review was about like, I don't care. Which is so funny because the invisible man in his like original story is just like running around being a dick. That's all he does. <laughs>
1: yeah. And
0: like, I care more about like mysterious disappearing semi-fascist like white guy who's doing the ain't I a stinker thing more than I care about (laughs) what should be a really excellent female empowerment revenge fantasy. Yeah. But also the fact that they frame her desire to get revenge as as part of the horror is also really upsetting and kind of misses the mark. Call me a fake fan if you want. I'm here all day.
1: Bitch, I'm telling you the truth. (laughs) Hilarious. Hilarious. Any final thoughts about *Power of the Dog* before we do the pivot?
0: I do think it's really good. I think you should watch it if you get an opportunity. Not necessarily because it's going to be your new favorite movie, but because it's worth, first of all, supporting a female director, even if she's a bit problematic at the moment. It's also worth it to get uh, Sam Elliott slightly. to. Sh- it's also worth it to get Sam Elliott to shut up.
1: Yeah, talk about tonal whiplash! Like she was riding high on calling Sam Elliott a bitch and then it went right to the toilet.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and then it came a crumbling down.
1: Yeah. The
0: the other thing that I would say about this movie is if you are particularly sensitive to the plight of animals, maybe sit this one out. There is no, no animals were harmed in the making of this movie sticker at the end. I looked, I Googled a couple of times to make sure I didn't miss it.
1: And even with kind of Jane Campion, you know, kind of, you know, putting her foot in her mouth at that, you know, award show. I still think she's immensely talented, and the next, the next thing she drops, I'll definitely check out. But that was mad funny. <laughs> this is such whiplash. But but highest I to highs
0: was, and lowest to lows for Jane.
1: The highest of highs and the lowest for lows.
0: Hey, what's up, everybody? WWE Hall of Famer, the Godfather here. Special shout-out to
1: B-Hyphen and Handsome Bane for the WrestleCast Power Hour. And it's available everywhere, podcasts or streams. So everybody, check them out. You know the Godfather will. And it's time, once again, for everybody at the Hyphen Podcast Group to come aboard the Ho! Oh!
0: Later, sweaty marks.
1: The reason that I kind of suggested Coda and Power of the Dog is because it kind of felt like they were getting the momentum of being the Oscar winners. Uh, they yeah. were nominated for Best Picture. And for Power of the Dog, if it wins, I wouldn't be surprised. But there was other 2021 movies I liked. Um, you know, we both clearly like Dune better. I liked Worst Person in the World better. I liked After Yang better. I like Come On, Come On better. Mm -hmm. And I would maybe even say I like Drive My Car better. And that's kind of the great things about these movies. Like all those movies in the name, they do all different things through all different lenses. And so depending on kind of what's your sweet spot you make, your mileage may kind of vary. But if it wins Best Picture, I wouldn't be surprised but speaking of a movie that wins
0: best picture i wouldn't be surprised
1: coda (laughs) i don't think this movie's bad at all i really don't but i'm really surprised this was nominated for best picture very surprised why not
0: because the oscars already think they solved racism why not solve disability also
1: this is why you're the fucking mvp man you you answer the question when i ask it fuck yeah
0: I would just like to state right out of the bat that I think this movie is great. And I think that I may have a little bit of a softer spot for it than most, as someone who is really involved with music in high school. Yeah. But also as someone like my dad used to work for the Mass Eye and Ear Infirmary and now works at a program for blind youth.
1: Oh, gang, gang. That's what's up.
0: So, like, it's.
1: It hits the feels.
0: A frank representation of disability where the the disability is not the defining characteristic about the character. It's still a challenge. It is still something that is about them, but it is not the only thing about them that is covered. Their their deafness is not in some way inspiring. Like, it's not really about that. Yeah. Even though it is a factor in the plot, I think is really good.
1: Yeah. I think um, I think it's enjoyable. I think it's very enjoyable.
0: I think that it... It's a little bit. If I were Berkeley College of Music, I would be a little bit like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I used to do summer programs at Berkeley College of Music.
1: Oh, okay. That's yeah. So.
0: For for musical theater and classical voice. And the first day, I I was in high school. I was in their like four fun summer program the first year. I didn't show up with sheet music, and they kicked me out of the class. <laughs>
1: Jesus Christ.
0: They don't go to make fake performers. So what I did I was I went to the the library and I got all my sheet music and I got everything organized. And I went home that night and I bought a binder and I got everything organized. and I never got kicked out of class again. So the fact that they would let somebody into their full program audition, like that scene to me, I was just like. <laughs> but also, I have to wonder, like, how much funding does that high school have that they are doing, like, well-known songs for every song in the concert because I went to a private school and most of our concerts wound up being like public domain folk music and like one or two really expensive well-known songs so those are the two notes for like a music thing that really took me out like it's just really you notice like if you know you know kind of deal but I think that the Oscars likes it Because it is about disability without being patronizing about disability. And that's who they're trying to be this week.
1: (laughs) Hilarious. Hilarious.
0: And I think for me, I think it is a great movie. I'm glad it is nominated because I think it should get out there more. I I think that it is uh, like even the fact that they talk about like deaf voice, which is a real thing that like kids who grow up in non-hearing homes have is really valuable by just putting a name and a face to it. And by putting really good performances out there.
1: Yeah. One of the things that I thought was really good, and this is actually something I didn't learn until like a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. So you would kind of think the premise of, okay, you have these deaf parents and they have a daughter that can sing on one hand, you would think, well, why don't they don't just get hearing aids but I was kind of talking to my friend who's actually in ASL classes and that kind of came up a little bit as far as people who have the opportunity to get the the hearing implants and they choose not to, but then it's still kind of even offensive to even say, well, why don't you get the implant? Mm-hmm. And as far as like, in a way, offering that to them, it kind of diminishes them to kind of, you know, you should just it, hear yeah. Yeah, yeah you should just fit in or whatever and that was something that didn't necessarily you know I, i'm not i'm not deaf and i don't have i don't know any deaf people and so i thought that concept when i talked to my friend about that weeks ago was interesting and i actually kind of wish they would have kind of had that in this movie to say well we've been deaf all our lives and we don't feel like we should get these implants you guys should accept us for who we are and I think they should have touched on it, but I do think that it is cool they didn't try to like throw that kind of storyline out there to be like, can they get the implants in time for the big concert? You know?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think part of it is just that by by not even making it an issue, I think that they are presenting it the way that they want it to be handled. Yeah. Because what you see is you see the at the in the last scene at the end, the wi- the wives that they started the co-op with are trying to sign. And you see the mom trying to lip read more.
1: And the girlfriend tries to sign too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And the teacher, but also at the same time, like the daughter calls them out on being very insular. They're like, okay, great. So you have each other and and screw everyone else, I guess, until you need them like right now. Yeah. And so I think some of it is not about being unproud of the disability, but the idea that like, sometimes you will still need a community and some times that community will not be like you. Even the folks in the bar at the end, they're not signing, but you can see them gesturing, you can see them pointing to each other. So they're trying to help tell the story rudimentarily to them. Yeah. Um, you know, they're much more inclusive than they were. And I think that that it is about acceptance and inclusion. It's not about changing to fit in. Yeah. And that's by presenting it in the way that the the director and the folks who made the movie want it to be handled. I think that's honestly, I think the best way to handle it. Yeah. They're so modeling yeah, the behavior they want the audience to have.
1: Yeah, I thought it was very thoughtful in that respect. I thought it was very thoughtful mm-hmm. in that respect. I think the only thing that I wish was kind of there, I kind of wanted the photography to be a bit better. It kind of felt like Glee, Apple TV Plus version. And yeah. I wish the filmmaking was a little bit more slicker, but I initially thought that Apple TV paid for the production of it, but it was actually sold to Apple TV later. They bought it later. So, you know, it's some you know, people were working kind of budgetary constraints, you know, that's that's understandable, but I do wish it was a little bit more slicker and it's kind of photography.
0: I won't even say that I wish it was slicker necessarily. It just didn't feel like it had an identity at all. Oh yeah. And in, yeah. in a movie that is about people who have to rely more on their sense of sight.
1: Yeah. Oh, I,
0: yeah. I wish that it had had a little more visual direction, but at the same time, uh, like the scene where she turns on the radio and it looks like the camera's kind of rolling through the house as everyone gets up. I really liked that. I thought that that energy was really good. There are moments where it has an energy, almost especially when it's about like the daughter and the boyfriend or the daughter, like going from place to place where it almost feels like her friends are making a whole movie that she is in. And I think that would probably be annoying for a whole movie, but I wish they had maybe invested in that energy a little more. Cause I feel like I see the inklings of ideas. Yeah. I just wanted to see the ideas more. That said, uh, I'm really happy that something like this made it this far up the pipeline and that it's getting the attention that it's getting. And I'm also really happy that like, People are, even if they don't love it, even if it's not their favorite movie, because I agree, it's a very simple plot, but it also did what it came to do and left. Um, <laughs> yes, it, it doesn't it hang out too long and it really gives every actor in it a chance to shine. The teacher is very much a high school music and drama teacher. Like I, <laughs> I, I, I related to him a lot. I felt what he was feeling, but I also felt what she was feeling. And I see how that would create a conflict. Yeah. When the boyfriend gives that little speech of, um, I'm sorry, like, I panicked. I don't know what to do around, like, parents who are in love. Like, that little speech that he gave. Like, Jesus. They just were like, hey, kid, just go ahead and act. Like, really, really cement to us why we picked you. And, like, I feel like every side character has a moment like that. Yeah. And that was really, while still feeling cohesive.
1: One totally unserious question. Do you Mm. think he
0: can sing? The the dude? Yeah. I think he can sing in the way that like late high school boys can, where they don't know how to lean into their, their changed voice yet. Okay. I do think that Berkeley would not have let him in. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Even if he had nailed the audition, I do think maybe for his guitar playing, maybe they would have been like, okay, do you want to do it for that? I get why she needed to get in for the movie, but yeah. like that whole audition was such a clusterfuck. And that <laughs> whole, like the fact that she snuck her parents in the fact that they had to use a different pianist the fact, like all of those dominoes, mm-hmm. which I will say, I, appreciate, I also appreciate that the boyfriend probably called the teacher and was like emergency. So I, that says more about him than it does about her audition, but whatever. I get that the whole idea was like it takes a village kind of approach, but like
1: <laughs> <laughs> you're kind of inside baseball a little bit though. So you kind yeah, of see behind the it, curtains it, a bit.
0: Except except that like those things are all clearly established as rules. Well, Show up on time, no family in the in the ballpark. Where is your sheet music? Yeah. And those are like the bare minimum. For this. And I get that it was a surprise for her. It was very last minute, blah, blah, blah. But like, I was hoping that like miles had a copy of her sheet music, you oh, know, or yeah. something like that, they could have done. Cause it's like, if two of those things happened, if she was mad late and the family snuck in, I'd be like, all right, like a stretch, but okay. But all three of those things happening i was like this is a dream right like it's gonna she's gonna <laughs> it's gonna like pan in to her singing and she's gonna be singing on the fishing boat because she didn't get into berkeley right like that's
1: <laughs> you know the funny thing is we knew that was not gonna happen but if it did i would have respected the choice i would have totally respected it
0: but also i think like as someone who who grew up in a fairly tight-knit family The scene where they, she tries to leave for college and has to stop and go back and, and whatever. There is something so, so freeing and also so like deeply sad about going to college for the first time.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
0: Um, But like, especially I think in a family that is that close.
1: Yeah. Um, Getting dropped off at college. That was definitely one of the first surreal moments of my life. I can definitely say that.
0: I feel like that is for a lot of people, like, you know, part of, part of loving someone or, or just, you know, kind of knowing your own self is going to like thousands of funerals for the person that you used to be. Yeah. And I feel like going to college for the first time is often people's like first memories of one. Like that's when they realize that is what is happening to them. Right. And I think they did a really good job of encapsulating that in that scene. Yeah. Maybe one of the better jobs I've seen. And all of the feelings that happen before they even leave the driveway, the dad bringing down the stuffed animal. (laughs) Yeah. The amount of love is almost oppressive, but in no way does it feel (laughs) unreal. And I think that's a really well done balance. Yeah. I was very impressed by that.
1: Of the two films, what would you say you would revisit first?
0: I think that The Power of the Dog is a movie that I would have on passively but i feel like i'm more likely to be like oh have you seen coda yet do you want to sit down and watch that
1: i was going to say for you yeah i would have guessed coda
0: i i also feel like it is a movie that like i hope helps more people to understand folks with disabilities
1: yeah even the whole <laughs> idea of they make all this noise because how would they even know like yeah. how, they don't know what it is to you know place a plate on the table softly like right? mm. and i never thought of that it was so yeah. wild
0: yeah but also the dad you can see and and this is just like i think that there are a lot of great performances at this year's oscars but because the the way the dad just says go and that is the only word you hear him say in the whole movie yeah and like you can see in his face after he says it there's like a couple beats of self-consciousness where he's like, did I say it right? And then she smiles and he looks so proud of himself, of her. Like, it's such a, a good acting moment. I also feel like when the he is um, at the concert and he's looking at everyone's face to try to figure out, like, is it going well? Oh my, it's going yeah. well. Oh my God. I don't know how to share this with her. Yeah. And you can immediately see the light goes on. Like the mill starts where, how do I share this with her? How do I figure this out for her? Because, like, I, I want to experience this with her. I want to be proud of her. Whereas the mom's initial, like, the way the mom gets into it is by, by giving her the clothes and the makeup so she can, like, be visual. Yeah. Like, the ways that they choose to engage with it, I think, are so interesting and unique. And I really like that.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, when you kind of see someone with a disability, I think a lot of people pivot to not actual feeling sorry for them, but, like, pity. But yes. in that in that scene to where their daughter is, you know, singing and everyone's loving it and it, it goes quiet and you can't hear anymore and you're in the position of the parents, like you feel truly bad. Like that's when you feel like, damn. Obviously they they sign their whole life, they they're you know mm-hmm. getting by, but it's like, damn, like I wish they could hear their daughter do this amazing beat right now.
0: Yeah. A lot of times in movies where people are disabled or in other ways, like what we would consider unsightly, the thing that the camera does is pan away. Yeah. And the fact that this movie moves in, and this is not the only movie that's ever done this, but I do think it is probably the most popular that isn't like inspiration porn. (laughs) Yes. You know, they, they don't get cured at the end. They don't, you know, ascend to heaven. They aren't raptured, like whatever. I think that's so important. And I hope that this is something that helps to kind of open the doors to more inclusive cinema. Because I think that there are a lot of good stories out there about folks who are, are differently abled or disabled or chronically ill or whatever, you know, moniker you feel the most comfortable using that we haven't seen. And we have never, we might never have never seen. Um, yeah. So I hope that this helps that.
1: Yeah, because even the idea of like you're kind of saying, like, there's no like fairy tale flagrant ending of, oh, the whole family has hearing aid now. So everyone's good. Like, no, like let's let's have this based on reality, but from a place of we're gonna educate the viewer on likely you you probably don't know many people that are deaf or deal with people on a regular basis who are hearing impaired, but let's actually build this universe and show you this family, but then really show you a real way that these people are living their lives and not have it be, you know, based on bullshit. So, um, right. I and it, and I, the idea that so, they
0: start a business and it's hard because starting a business is hard. Like yeah. that's the thing that kind of comes up first is like, we don't know how to start a business, not yeah. we're deaf, not what were you thinking Yeah, is just, okay, so where are we going to get the distribute? Like, that's the first question. And like, I I think this is going to sound terrible, but this is a legitimate question. I do wonder if this movie is made and is greenlit and is successful because of the success of foreign films in the last couple of years.
1: Ooh, I, well, that I is a beautiful question.
0: If the, uh, I would say, increasing comfort level of folks with subtitles. Yep is the reason that this was able to get, I won't say made, but widely distributed.
1: Yeah, bought. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I feel like a bad person for asking,
1: but I also feel like I
0: might be right.
1: No. So one, you're the MVP. Two, that was a fucking phenomenal question. Three, you're absolutely correct for thinking it because I think it is worth exploring the idea that Even, like, Drive My Car, that being a three-hour movie, and that is something that, even though it it may not, you know, be a $100 million movie, that's a movie that, on HBO Max, people are going to flock to look at. And I would say, could we have done this, could Drive My Car had come out in 2015 and been, like, a hit on, like, you know, Redbox or something like that? No, Mm. it, it couldn't have. And yeah. so I do think that audiences are getting more used to reading subtitles. I mean, fucking, I think Parasite, I think Parasite is that watershed movie to where everyone agrees Parasite was that the best movie that the year that it came out. And so you sat through a two hour movie with nothing but subtitles. You can sit through a, a two hour movie that's half in subtitles, half in English, and you'll be more than fine. So. I think it's a more than fair question to ask. I think it's sweet. I
0: think it's very easy, but it, it does what it came to do. And I think it it tackles a lot of stuff that you don't even necessarily think about how one would tackle in film really well.
1: Yeah. I do think it's a very cute movie, very sweet movie, very daring, mm-hmm. but very thoughtful and very smart. And I think it will educate more people. And I think it is better, even though I definitely don't want movie theaters, you know, to be deleted. Mm -hmm. I think for the sake of humanity standpoint, being available on streaming will reach a larger audience. And I think it will serve good in that, in that way.
0: I agree. Which one do you think you are more likely to revisit first?
1: So I don't have Apple plus. Mm -hmm. And so you would kind of default to say power of a dog, but Like I said, I watched Power of a Dog over New Year's and I never revisited it. And Mm. so I revisited it, you know, today to rewatch it. But I don't know. I I really wish I did feel a more emotional connectivity to it because a movie like the Jane Campion did that I watched this year, uh, Sweetie, like that movie's bugged out, but I did develop some emotional connectivity to it.
0: yeah. I wonder if I will revisit, I feel like Power of the Dog might be a movie I revisit at different points in my life and feel different strong feelings about it at different times. Like, I do wonder if when I am closer in age to like the Kirsten Dunst character, if that is gonna elicit any sort of different reaction to me than it did before. Uh, One one thing I would like to say though, is that I, I saw someone online that was like, it bothers me how quickly she just unravels because it seems like she has it together and to that person i'd like to say go fuck yourself because i don't think you understand being a single woman in like 1925 montana and the victim of a suicide like the way that in the letter he writes you hear him say suicide widow with such a like
1: disdain
0: yeah so like no y'all like she was barely holding it together. And as soon as she gets a moment to breathe, she is getting punished.
1: Mentally abused from this, like and I called him a cowboy terrorist because he's it's terrorizing these fucking people. So yeah, man, that's that's a shitty ass take. That's a shitty fucking take, man. But I think like you, like you kind of said even the recommendation part of it, as far as if I would recommend a movie first, would it be Coda or Power of a Dog? I would say if I had a friend that was like, this is cinema friend, I would probably say Power of a Dog. But for the yeah. regular schmegglers out there, I would say Coda, that'll get you in your feels real quick. I wonder if I would have liked Power of a Dog more seeing it in theaters. Because I, I saw The Worst Person in the World in a the theater and I thought that movie was fucking great in a movie theater and I kind of wish I would have saw Drive My Car in the theater but I watched it at 4 o'clock in the morning on HBO Max so I just kind of knocked that bad boy out
0: also at some point apparently uh, Paul Dano was gonna be Phil I think
1: oh no I
0: have (laughs) I,
1: I I like woke
0: up in a cold sweat, thinking about that.
1: I think Paul Dano is a talented actor, but nah, <laughs> no sir. Let me Please just confirm no.
0: who he was supposed to be in that. No, he he was supposed to be Jesse Plemons. He was going to be the uh, brother.
1: He's not old enough to pull it off.
0: Well, he he is. Plemons is, he is actually. Age? Yeah, Paul Dano's like forty-eight. Nice. I'm sorry, he's thirty-eight.
1: But still he's 37 holy shit.
0: yeah he just moisturizes
1: so i i know my phone's and she's, listening to me she's
0: 39
1: i know my phone's listening to me because i typed in paul dano's name and it popped up his age so yeah i, I know i know the feds are always listening
0: uh um, but also i and i'm really enjoying seeing kirsten dunst do more and i hope she continues to do more and seeing her and jesse clemens on the red carpet makes me really happy and like i think she's really good in this
1: i keep forgetting kirsten dunst is a year and a half older than i am so i could had a shot got a shot They could
0: still divorce you never know
1: i can't cry on the side of a mountain well i can but i don't know if i can do it on my yeah. own so.
0: that's fair yeah. Also, uh, you know, I will just say that apparently Benedict Cumberbatch was just in character the whole time and did not fake for the duration of shooting. So he just stank. he
1: looked like it. He uh, fucking looked like and it.
0: And I just want to say to everyone who had to work with him, I'm so sorry. <laughs> that sounds terrible. Thank you for working together to make this movie with this stinky, stinky man
1: speaking of paul dano and movies that it hit on every level but you didn't connect to i didn't really fuck with there will be blood like yeah. I, I know it's supposed to be this masterpiece but i didn't even finish it <laughs> so, <laughs> i was like uh, yeah i don't give a shit about these white men i really don't
0: <laughs> vibes
1: Follow Kat at Kat underscore Chinetti on Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Follow Marcus at showandmadlove on Twitter and Letterboxd. Follow the show on Twitter at Kat and Mark. Be sure to read us at catsiesmovies.tumblr.com and themarkrog.wordpress.com. This podcast is executive produced by Kellen Conley and Eric Greenlee. Thanks for listening. We should do this again sometime. This is, this is, this is a Hyphen Podcast production. playing on not entertained?